the Tenuous Links podcast, home of the Golf Barons. Offering bloviated opinions on all things golf, discussing the game's biggest problems and some solutions to them as loosely as possible. Come add some swagger to your swing. Hello Barons, welcome back for another Tenuous Links Golf Podcast. What a big week in the world of golf it's been from the Tokyo Olympics. This is in fact the home of Golf Barons, now playing on Foxtel On Demand and on KO On Demand. And in today's podcast we'll be discussing all the takeaways from the Olympics, at least the men's Olympics at this stage. And to help me through it all, as always, is the one and only Philly. I'll do what I can. I can't promise too much, but I'll do what I can because it was absolutely fantastic. And there's a lot to talk about. But there's a lot to talk about. There, there is a lot to talk about, Philly. Uh, but before we do, I just wanted to see, did you, did you see the latest announcement from the PGA Tour and the European Tour announcing uh, a closer working relationship, shall we say, a bit more of an alliance? Are they already putting another level on the PGA Tour HQ, are they? They're already going up a story. They are. They've, they've announced that they're uh, uh, hot off the press, Phil. They've announced three co-sanctioned events now for next year, including the Scottish Open, uh, the Barbasol Championship will be a FedEx Cup and race to Dubai points earner for the players. And they'll also be halving, in all of this, they'll also be halving the number of the of World Golf Championship events. So from currently at two, at four, it'll, it'll be reduced to two. And, and in this announcement, uh, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan said, it presented us an opportunity to demonstrate the impact we can have together. Now, <laughs> now, now that comment is in stark contrast to the previous, I guess you could call it myopic stance that the PGA Tour has had taken um, in the past. Now, this will, this will be a near 20% increase in the PGA Tour earnings across the whole schedule of the year, which, which, equ- we go. Yeah, which equates to about $35 million, Phil. It's also unclear with the European Tour whether the Saudi international event will be on the schedule. And when pressed about it, European Tour CEO Keith Pelly, well, he declined to respond on that. So we can sift through all the all everything around it, but clearly this is in response to the Renegade Premier Golf League announcement by uh, Andy Gardner, and which is believed to have Saudi backing. So just on that Saudi international, um, you did also see the PGA Tour refuse to allow their players to play it. So they refused to sanction because it's not a sanctioned event by the European Tour or the US tour, they said, you're not allowed to play and we are allowed to stop you playing, which is, it is game on. But who would have thought that two bodies working together would help the world of golf? But but all I'll say here, and this is based on, again, no research, which is my want, you have the number of world golf championships. That's great. A number of players who've excelled on the Asian tour and on the Australian tour and the Australasian tour in, in Japan have got an opportunity to expose themselves on these in these World Golf Championships that don't get to play on the PGA Tour or the European Tour. So really all the US and Europe have said is, let's grow the game on our two continents. So the same crap, they're missing the point, there is no global in this. It's, I can tell you what, let's split the world in half. I'm going back to... to Christopher Columbus's days. We want to. I tell you what. You take the northern hemisphere. I'll take the south. Yeah, it, it appears to be pure protectionism for their tours, doesn't it? It's grow the hashtag grow the effing game. Now it'll be an interesting to follow. Watch watch this space. But now let's move on to the Olympics, Phil, because that's the talk of the town. First things first. Congratulations to the USA and in particular to Xander Shoffley, who scored himself a pretty remarkable gold medal. It, it was great to see, wasn't it? it? Just desserts for a guy who's been knocking on the door of, of winning a major for the past few years with a couple of runners up and um, and four top tens in in majors. It's it's great to see him get it done. 
and didn't do it easy. I mean, that was a hard-earned victory, um, you know, particularly when you, you've got a couple of spotters and you hit one into the Magumbi, mm-hmm. um, have to chip out. And it was a miraculous chip out to then go to the wrong side of the fairway when went under the pump. But everyone was chasing, and it gets back to this comfort of hunting and hunted, one of our great pod- – least listened to but great podcasts of all time <laughs> – where, where this idea of, of leadership and, and being chased down and at what point in time is it comfortable because he never got comfortable and the pack was chasing, including Rory Slovakatini. Isn't that funny? It wasn't that a great story, though. Great or interesting story, shall we say. Rory Sabatini representing Slovakia because he married a Slovakian and her brother works at the golf, uh, at the top of the golf in Slovakia. Who says nepotism doesn't help? Um, yes, although... Um what is it? He who is without sin can cast the first stone. I mean, we've all like, like look at Olympic teams, athletics teams, rugby teams around the world, cricket teams. Um, South African was England's cricket captain for a, a number of years. Um, in fact, a couple of South Africans have been England's cricket captains. So, not to mention Australia's Kepler vessels. We we don't. That's, and we love South Africans and Australians, don't we, Ben? Ben, ben from Hollywood <laughs> gets an early an early tip in. For the last one. Rory Sabatini, though, regardless of how he got there to represent it, how exciting is it to see one of the older guys, almost, you don't want to call him a has-been, that's a, that's a bit harsh, but a real journeyman pop up um, at an Olympics and the joy that they get from, from winning a gold medal that they would never have thought, when they started out in their golf journey, never have thought there'd be a chance that they'd be playing for a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze medal. There are a couple of things, or a number of things that came out of it, but particularly if we go back to to Rory, the, the Slovakian Rory, he play, was playing golf with the same sort of joy in his eyes that Lee Westwood plays with his partner on the bag. There, there's kind of a relaxed element that is not all down and dirty and, and grungy. It's let's just go out and blow this away. And, and her reaction when he holds his birdie putt on the 18th green, um, her reaction was like someone would have reacted in the grandstands because it was just pure joy. It wasn't there was no decorum to it. There was no anything else. It was just, I will celebrate because I think that was just an incredible run. And to have, to shoot 61 with two bogeys is <laughs> Well, Kipper tells a story of how when he goes low, he can go really low, doesn't he? So um, Kipper is a big fan of Rory Slovakatini. He, um, I think he particularly enjoyed the pre-cue. I think it might have been for a US Open where Rory was prepared to walk off after nine, and, and they weren't expecting to see him back. And he trudged out and then lit up the back nine. And, and, and knocked out uh, badly and, by one from... from and, and knocked out bads. But but again, it was just golf being played at its highest without restriction and, and just going, I'm going to pursue it. And it was one of the quotes, and I think probably my favourite quote that Pori has ever said. For new listeners, Pori would be? Pori McElroy. But I've never tried so hard in my life to finish third. And... It's a cool quote, that, actually. That I th- it's an incredible quote, and, and it shows that there's a, a learning and a humility that these guys have have taken on, and the girls will this week. And there's another quote from Daniel Kang about, you know, being golf at the Olympics. It's the ultimate approval that as an athlete I've done something right. Golf, um, whether you think it belongs there or not, there was an element to it, and there was a buzz to it. Watching Rory binning birdie putts, playing the C.T. Pan, and C.T. Pan's wife was on his back. C.T. Pan from Taiwan, Phil, because I will not refer to him for, as Chinese uh, Taipeian. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Taipei. But there was, a, there was this relaxed element where if you get in a zone and you're just enjoying yourself, you play better. Hmm. 
uh, and maybe some of the conversations you saw going on between caddy and player. And no, this is not a caddy bashing session. But should be. I did see a suggestion that caddies potentially should win medals if their players do. And I think more to the point, it proves that caddies shouldn't have medals yes. <laughs> when the second and third place getter had caddies that were actually just there having fun with their partners. Um, and and Xander and his caddy, some of the conversations were were just so in such high detail that even the commentators were like, wow, this, in fact, Tony Johnson at one stage said, he's spoken more to his caddy before this shot than I spoke to my caddy in 20 years on tour. <laughs> Yeah, there's a fair bit to learn from watching the watching golf at the Olympics, don't you think? I mean, it, it's exposed the game. The idea, of course, is that it exposes the game to a wider audience, and there's something to that because we all get behind sports we wouldn't normally watch at the Olympics because it represents our nation. So you know, you could look at a you could watch a major and a country's not going to necessarily get behind it. But if it's at the Olympics, they will. You know, you'll inspire young kids to take up the game and represent their country down the track. I mean, look at the winning nations. So you had the USA, well, okay, fair enough. Uh, Slovakia, which we've talked about, a little bit of a, a tricky one, and <laughs> and Taiwan um, with CT Pan. The, the, the two of those, or latter two of those, they're kind of golf growth spots or places where the opportunity for golf to grow is sort of evident at the moment. So that's actually a real positive for the argument that golf is there to do those things. Um, let alone Colombia and Mexico. Um, and again, there was another quote from Gabby Lopez. Um, One of my goals as a player is to be able to grow the game of golf in Mexico. And very little people relate to a major, but the whole country relates to the Olympic Games. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I just said. Thank you, Gabby. Yeah, except she said it first. (laughs) She said it first and was much better at saying it, I felt. um, Her delivery was better the way I was reading it. But I, so so there's no question that it's it's got a role there. But but some of the quotes that came out of it, and I, I, I'm going to just... You do love a quote, Philly. But it, it, they, these guys, for the first time, almost eloquently reflected what life was going to be like. And so Tommy Fleetwood, please excuse my language, but I'd just like to say that I effing love the Olympics. And it was just passion. And we spoke about in our pre-Olympic pod a few weeks ago that the people that will get the most out of it are those who either respect other athletes or immerse themselves in multiple sports. And so when we get to Justin Thomas, who we brought up in the other Olympics about someone who would just be desperate to go there and play, not just because of USA. You know, the Olympics is the coolest thing I've ever been part of. The Ryder Cup is cool. The President's Cup is cool. But this is just so different. He referred to sitting down for a meal with Draymond Green and Greg Popovich coming over, you know, NBA Hall of Famers, and talking about golf and sport and life and Steve Kerr being there. Uh, and it was it was just this. Hang on, no, no, we're all sports people, and we're all athletes. But, but even hearing a golfer talk about the Ryder Cup in in a yeah, it's great, but kind of concept when we know how massive a deal a Ryder Cup is, it just shows that those. It seems that everyone who goes and actually competes at the Olympics either changes their view a little bit in in more of a positive Olympic um, way, or it just reaffirms what they were thinking that it is a magnificent thing to um, to represent your country at. Rory's a pro- Rory McIlroy, Pori as you call him, is probably a prime example that he's shifted his... Um, I haven't got any quotes because I'm not the quote master like you, but I, I remember do. reading some stuff, oh, you've got them, where he was... Uh, where he's talked about his mind changing on this on this subject completely, yeah. basically doing a U-turn. Now, he also bagged the hell out of Ryder Cup years ago uh, and before saying, oh, no, actually, now I really like it. So... I think he just speaks, uh, he proffers opinions very loosely. (laughs) 
shall I say. Yeah, but I think the quote actually says that, and it's a bit of this contrition that's fascinating that I don't think we've ever seen from Pori before, which is, and, and there are two quotes. One, which is what you're referring to. I think I need to do a better job of just giving things a chance uh, and experiencing, experiencing things, he said it better, not writing them off at first glance. That's a sort of trait of mine. Yeah, that's a trait of his. Does that apply to the PGL? <laughs> well, we'll get on to that at some stage. Well, you know, it is... That is fascinating. Um, but his other one was, I made some comments before that were probably an uneducated and impulsive, but coming here, experiencing it, seeing it, feeling everything that goes on, not just Olympic golf, but the Olympics in general, that sort of Olympic spirit's definitely bitten me. And you, you can just see that some of it at bit. Some are better explaining it than others. Paul Casey, this is one of my great quotes of all time. Should have spent more time at Oxford, Paul. This week, if anything, it's kind of like reignited my sort of passion to sort of work even harder. <laughs> that sounds like something Kipper would say. So, so Paul's not sure what it's done. He, he knows it's done something, but he's just not quite sure what it is because he's sort of trying to work it out. The overwhelming response is all positive, though, isn't it? You're not getting anyone come out saying, actually, uh, yeah, this is pretty boring. We really shouldn't be here. The atmosphere for the – and this is an atmosphere where you don't even have the crowds that are the things that really get you, get the heart pumping and get people excited. You don't. And I think one of the other nice things – and I know that, that uh, Matsuyama-san didn't win a medal. But because he was in the final group, watching all the volunteers be able to celebrate their champion, I, I thought it was actually a really, really nice – um, and the sigh when he missed, Phil. You could hear audibly, you could hear them all going, oh, when he'd miss something. But he's a god and they were desperate for him to succeed, but not to the point of if you don't succeed, you're out. Um, Very respectful. There was, yeah, there was just this idea of, of an opportunity of being able to watch him play, watch him play up close. And reward for them being volunteers at an event is they got to say, I got to follow um, Hideki for... Oh, sorry, I sounded like Luke Elvey there. I got to follow Matsuyama for eight holes, or, you know, as soon as he finished the first. I got to follow him from the first the whole way through. I, I thought it was absolutely outstanding, as you say, this variety of countries, as you'd expect at an Olympics, but was outstanding. It, it reaffirmed everything it stood for, and it also reaffirmed the difference between good uniform designers and shit ones. There were, there were some ordinary ones, weren't there? Who would you, who would you say were the, the more... Ordinary ones, Phil, the ones that are more likely to be found in your cupboard than mine. Well, um, it's a fair statement, though. Um, I, I would have to put my two favourite countries next to each other. I, I thought the Australian uniform was really well described as a combination of the Green Bay Packers met a, surgeon, a surgical room or an operating theatre because they the, the pants looked like they were scrubs and there was just nothing that said, I'm an athlete, this will suit me. To the point where I wondered, and the other one is, is Ireland. I just thought that, you know, there's a point where Cutter and Buck's probably not the go. But, um, <laughs> but there, was a, there was just a very, very basic look, like just chuck them stuff in. And I wondered if you had two, let, let's say the next Olympics, we've got Lucas Hebert, Lucas Herbert and Cam Davis or, um, or Minwoo Lee representing us, and they're young and fit and lean. Does the uniform design change? Because I'm fairly sure that... Whoever did the Australian uniform just said, well, just make one. I don't give a shit who's selected. They're just going to wear it. Whereas you saw the Mexican uniform getting onto the upside. The, the ability to embrace the colours of the flag across from hat to polo to pants, sharp as anything. I mean, that's clearly golf fashion is just well ahead in Mexico. I would have liked to have seen a sombrero, though. 
they they might have had little sombrero. In fact, all the little logos on the shirt were little sombreros. They were little chilies and sombreros and anything else that's stereotypically Mexican. Machine a bit, of guns. Sun, a bit of sun smart action that would have been good. Um, but that was so that that was the the flip side. And, and if you look at the, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the the women's uniforms. But from a, a men's point of view, the standout was it was just clearly Mexico. Just looked like they were sharp and ready to go. I'm not sure of another one. Um, in fact, I didn't mind um, Norway, but then. It, um, Australia, there's just a point where we've got to think bigger than, I know, gold polo, green pants. Yeah, like we did every year forever. I'm particularly grateful that they, they didn't spend a lot of time talking about the that M word that we're, uh, we, we've we banned from the show, Phil, on uh, on your boy, Cam Smith. I, I hear, this is uh, not going to go down well in a lot of circles, but I need to get this off my chest. Cam Smith is a very, very, very good player that he's been given and with a great attitude and everything else that I think is having his talents derailed by people looking for the easiest headline they can. So rather than Cam Smith has gone out and had eight birdies in the last round, it was check out his hair. He's got AUS carved in the side of it. Well done, Cam Smith. No, he's better than that and he deserves more than that from his own public and particularly from the governing bodies. But has he helped himself by doing that? Because you don't do that and not be asking for some attention around that. No, but potentially he's being guided in that direction of, oh, here's momentum, momentum. No, just go with it, just go with it. And I'm not saying – I don't have any issue with his what he wears on top of his bonds. Yes, you do, don't they? No, I d- but I actually don't. I have an issue with that being the feature that the only thing in 15 years' time, whether you'll go back through the archives and you won't talk about how good a player Cam Smith was. Oh, he was the mulleted one. That yeah. was the guy with the hair, wasn't it? No, that was the guy who had a heart as big as Farlap and was a flusher who just happened to have hair. Yet you'll go through every bloody media article and media report and it starts with the hair, and it's crap, and I feel sorry for him. Yep. But I think he can help himself by not, not exacerbating. I'm not defending the media in any shape, way, shape, or form. Phil. I, think it's a, I think it's a joke how they focus on it as well. I think he's not helping himself by highlighting it either. Maybe he, maybe he enjoys the, the talk around it. Maybe it takes some pressure, some off. of the focus off yeah. his golf for him, maybe. Uh, I'm and not I don't, sure. I don't know that. Um, but personally, I think it's, yeah, it's low-hanging fruit, and I think we can... We've probably talked about it too much. I tell you, we have, but I'll give you one last thing. I'll tell you what he could do, and he's a very, very fine young man and a charitable young man. And Challenge, supporting kids with cancer, would love a little fundraiser around Cam Smith and going from mullet to skullet all the way to pure shaved head to raise money for for anybody, and I'm sure it will happen. And when he does cut his hair, it will happen. I don't think he'll turn up just with a haircut. But he's got a real opportunity with his corporate partners like City <coughs> to do a lot of good, doesn't he, Guy, in case someone called Guy from City was listening. <laughs> anyway, um, but, the, but the point of it was is that it was a really – there was a, a, just a great feel. And in fact, in fact, one of the greatest feels, how good was a seven-person playoff? For a bronze medal, I fe- yeah, no, it was it was different, wasn't it? Something you haven't, we obviously haven't seen before. It was a little hard to follow at times. I'm not going <laughs> to deny that. I go, what the hell's going on here? But God, it was. It's like going out with playing with a whole group of mates, just being a little bit naughty. Extra players in the group. But did it slow the field down? Uh, but if you look at, uh, you know, once unfortunately, you know, we lost Casey and. Um, Matsuyama early, but but the shots that hit in, at, at, I think it was the second or third playoff hole where um, Morikawa hit it to an inch 
And then it was sort of, oh, well, that's it. That's the bronze medal. That's done. And there was a general excitement. And then before you know it, everyone was just peppering the peppering the flag because it was a, I'm going to win the bronze medal. And this was... But that, yeah, it mattered, didn't it? Yeah, it's exactly what you were saying earlier about never tried so hard to, to come third. To come third. And, and it's great that it's the only event where third matters other than cash because they were, I mean, they were all trying to play their best game and hit their best shots at the best time at a golf course. And I loved watching them all pursue victory, even though victory was third. It meant a lot to them. Um, and it hurt them when they missed out or got knocked out. Incredible. So they're the players that it's obviously meant a hell of a lot to Philly, but what about those who decided not to turn up, who decided not to represent their country or or sort of, quite frankly, kind of scrub the Olympics? Uh, Yeah, I guess therein lies the question, does it say more about those who attended or those that didn't? And when you're talking about those that attended, the thing they've got caught up in is this idea of, not me, 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 that, that golf traditionally is at an elite level. It's team, team, team. I want to be part of something bigger. I want to belong to something bigger. Uh, it's why people get involved with golf parents. I want to be a part of something that is bigger than just me in a game that I love and be celebrated for those things. And, and I think there's, a, there's an element of venom in some of these quotes. And, and even you know when Justin Thomas talks about, I was never hitting putts as an eight or 10-year-old on putting greens to win the Olympics and have a gold medal. So I think that when you don't have the ability to dream something, when you get here, it can sometimes take you by surprise. And this has exceeded that. Your point a few weeks ago when we did the other Olympics pod is that they come back from the Olympics raving about what just happened. Justin Rose raving about what just happened. You just have to go and play. You just have to go and play. And, And I think the majority of people who've passed up the opportunity when they had the choice to play says a lot about the fact that their whole lives and their whole careers potentially are really just about them and not about embracing anyone else's glory or sharing it. And Ryder Cups, our Ryder Cup will do. But we'll con- contrast that, though, Phil, with the South Koreans, for example. So these guys, we know they have a mandatory military service upon turning 19, for which we can thank the dictatorial tossers running North Korea. Um, but but you have a look at South Korea. They've they do have exemptions for the military service. So winning gold at the Asian Games, which is an amateur event, or winning um, an Olympic gold medal will get, get you an exemption from having to do that. Of any colour? Uh, is it any colour? Okay, I thought it was gold. Mm. Uh, okay, so any medal. So meddling at the Olympics will get you there. So it's fair to say that Sung Jae Im and Siwoo Kim had a fair bit riding on their Olympic campaigns because they've both not done their military service as of yet, and it's between 19 and 35 they have to do it. So this could have a, a far wider reaching impact on their careers, couldn't it, which is a shame. And we've seen examples of this in the past where, where you look at Sangmoon Bay. So he was just, Sangmoon Bay from South Korea, he was just hitting his straps back in 2014. Uh, it's proven to be a great talent. He had two PGA Tour wins. Um, he was on the President's Cup team, I think, as a as a, a pick, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, so after that, he goes off to military service for two years, and he's never reached those heights again, or that potential since he's returned. And and the same can be said for a couple of others. Um, Song you'll know, he was similar. He's been pretty quiet since returning from his military service in 2019. They they lose all their momentum, and when you consider that probably the the best-known um, Korean, KJ Choi, well, he completed his military service before he even turned professional, as did Ye Yang, who's the only only yep. major winner from, from the country. Uh, is, is there something to be said for these guys uh, 
getting that out the way, shooting their guns before they try and become one on tour? It's a tricky one because I'm not sure that, that maybe they set out thinking, like um, Sung Moon Bay, I don't know that he set out saying, I'm actually going to be a star on the PJ Tour. It may well have been a, wow, this has all happened a bit quick. I'm a better player than I thought I was. It, you know, and when you get mentioned in a song. They're better, they're better at younger ages these year, aren't they? Well, well that's right. And there's, there's momentum that flows out of playing college golf or, or, um, or otherwise in, in be it in the US or be it Korea where you want to just take advantage of that momentum. So at any point in time where you remove a two-year block, it's going to do something. It's just that, that what happens if I do it at 19? Well, there's, there's potential growing to do and there's maturing to do. And if I do national service, away we go. But Sang Moon Bay was the, the not the, the troubling one, but that was the, the one that's been the biggest shame to date because he was on fire. He got mentioned in the song. They took a vacay to Sang Moon Bay. You know, you know you're up and about when, one, you get featured in a, a song by the Golf Boys. But, but, but he was playing well and he was exciting as as Sung Ji-in was, as Siwoo Kim is. But unfortunately, there's just that point where they now need to work out when to rip the Band-Aid off. And I think, in reality, if they're allowed to be given the option, and I don't know that, at this point in time, they'd be thinking, let's just go at 32. Maybe they could incorporate it into the Olympics, Philly, just to double it up. Shooting for, you know, trap shooting or target shooting. Yeah, that should come off their military service requirements and they can play the golf. Nearest the pin. I know, it's just, they're different. They're just... We're in different worlds, aren't we? We've got some of us, you know, some of our nations, we're just too privileged in many ways and we, we don't seem to really acknowledge it. I mean, imagine if you were a mate of one of these guys and you're saying, oh, I don't want to go to the Olympics because, you know, I can't be bothered. And they're like, well, I'm going here so I don't have to potentially <laughs> fight against right. the North Koreans. Or imagine being a Rory Sabatini over a uh, one-foot putt to relegate one of them into fourth place and force them into um, national service. Would you, and I'm being harsh on Mr. Slovakatini, but would you hole it or would you deliberately miss it? Do you put, you know, is it just, well, hang on, you knew the rules. It's not my fault you were born into South Korea. I mean, it was like the, was it the Belarusian sprinter who was sent home because she objected to being put in the 4x400 relay team and she was immediately whisked to the airport and then said, hang on, I, they've just kidnapped me. I mean, people are doing it hard and the Olympics highlights that and it's one of those it would have been a feel-good story what a great story it would have been um, it didn't happen but hopefully they've now got another Olympics at, at Brisbane uh, at Brisbane at Paris to have that one last crack or maybe they just say you know what I actually love the country enough that I'm just going to go and do it which is what Sing Moon Bay did now on players who didn't uh, didn't tee it up Philly there was a pretty big absentee the world number one golfer John Rahm I thought his excuse of having COVID again was a bit of a curious one <laughs> i mean considering he's apparently already he's already had covid um you know at the the memorial debacle that we went through and then he he's got it again leading into the olympics despite being fully vaccinated and, and having antibodies which the, the testing showed that he already had antibodies i just find it find it quite strange there's been some recent research um only a couple of days old now but out of emory university in atlanta in georgia and the study was titled, as all good medical and scientific studies are, Longitudinal Analysis Shows Durable and Broad Immune Memory After SARS Infection with Persisting Antibody Responses and Memory B and T Cells. Now, basically, in, in a nutshell, the research demonstrated that the human immune response to SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 remained durable and strong, in quotation marks, for a period of more than eight months. So in, any, in other words, either Ram is telling us porcupines, which I don't think he is, or the testing process is 
so inaccurate here that it's we're basically guessing we're basically pissing in the wind and, and hoping for the best and it's it's overwhelmingly likely that one of the two was a false positive so he's either been denied the memorial win or potentially a gold medal here at the olympics or at worst both and when the testing can't even tell the difference between the flu and COVID, we've got a serious problem here because we're playing with players lives we're playing with their careers costing them opportunities that they're possibly likely never to get again as well as you know huge money which obviously away from the olympics you weren't marching in um the middle of Sydney last weekend, were you money <laughs> chance shooter? <laughs> no, no, not even close, Phil. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is, this is they're the cold hard facts. It's not uh, one of the bigger universities in the US though, is it? Oh, but the study, the study is, it's the best one, best research we've had at the moment that, that's available to us, Phil. That's right, because no one else has thought longitudinally. Everyone else is thinking latitudinally and they've gone, no, we're going to take Let's this go a different, different direction. direction. And we're going to go, <laughs> we're going to go no, but, but, longitudinally. Okay, but, uh, oh, just asking the, 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 does, greater, yeah. the wider question, because we know these things are inaccurate, and this has been this is out there that, that the testing is not as as good as we would like it to be, and we are getting a lot of false positives, etc. What what is the process? I'm not saying I have the answers to, it, but what are the, the the potential downside to these players could be career changing. This is why, and and I got scoffed at for my suggestion that Henry Hill might have been involved in the memorial withdrawal. Um, you know, in terms of manipulating test results. Oh, speaking of conspiracy theories, look at you go. The reality is this is why all the bookies paid out Ram as if he'd won the memorial because there's just too much grey um, in, in the whole process. So I do believe that he was told that he'd tested positive um, a second time. I do believe he was told he tested, was tested positive the first time. I am not surprised that no one who's ever been in his vicinity has also caught COVID, not fact-checked. Um, but So I'm not surprised by that, given how infectious it is. I don't know whether it was Alpha, Kappa, Delta, is Gamma. Is there a Gamma? Or any There'll other. be a Gamma soon. Oh, there's a Gamma. Oh, it's coming. Wait till, yeah. But but the reality is it does bring into question a number of different things, and it is rob, robbing people of opportunities. And when you, you read, and I'm going to just give you one more Tommy Fleetwood quote. This is what John Rahm missed out. For all the whatever's happened in the world over the last 18 months, if you're inside that village, without a doubt, there's nothing that means more to these people than competing this week. And I think it's very special. Um, and to, to rob someone like John Rahm, who's as passionate about country as he is about the game of golf, who's, who's on a roll, is, is really devastating. And again, we, we have to separate those who chose not to go and those who were told, told they, they couldn't, couldn't go, go because of the processes, yeah. Um, and so, really, I wonder what, and you know what, in reality, I think we know what they're thinking that, you know, DJ and Brooks, um, Adam Scott, Louis are just sitting back going, well, that's okay. I'm glad you had fun because that's just their mindset. Now, Louis is forgiven because he likes tractors. You'd, ne- you'd never know that. It's not like they mentioned it every fourth. <laughs> yeah, that's fourth right. Comment. Hey, Tractors to Louis is what hair is to Cam Smith. He, he will come out on tour next year with a John Deere sponsorship. How he doesn't already is beyond me. But. Um, but it's those who chose to go and those who didn't. And I really do think when you when you read some of the quotes, and whether it be Johnny Vegas or be, whether it be um, uh, was it Neiman who was sharing a room, um, oh, no, Carlos Ortiz was sharing a room with a boxer. Sorry, I just had to check that from another you know who came down and was all wired and was trying to be quiet. And but it was joyful. Like it, it wasn't the fact that I lost sleep because of this guy. How co- I'm sharing a room with a boxer. Like that's the excitement. Yeah. And they share, and again, they're sharing, they're sharing stories um, and things. You know, talking about their journeys 
behind the media, behind closed doors, there'd be some amazing stories that you would hear, uh, incredible tales of um, triumph and, and, you know, the things that they have to do to get to the top. It would be fascinating for any professional sports person or anyone interested in sports. Paul Casey shared a bus yesterday with our hockey team, women's hockey team, and got the full rundown. Now I'm an absolute expert. But, <laughs> yeah. but again, these multi-sport, these people who have um, multiple sports in their life, who immerse themselves in them, are always going to get the greatest benefit out of it. Just as the people in the village who, and, and Johnny Vegas spoke about seeing his idol Djokovic, but just as other people are going to come and want to bounce off these other elite athletes, being the golfers, to find out what makes them tick. Is there something that I'm missing? You know, what is your mindset? How do you approach things? How do you calm your nerves? So whether you think it belongs there or not, you have to respect the the excitement and the event for what it is. And it seems that everyone who's there has just embraced it. Now, Phil, I think it's probably time we move on to the course itself. Uh, Kasuma Gaseki Country Club. A great, great friend of the show, world-renowned golf photographer, David Scaletti. He raves about Japanese courses. And I, I, had, a, I had a quick word from him about it to see if he had, uh, in fact, checked out the course back in the day. And he, he came back to me because he, he loves the Japanese courses. And if you look at his photos, wow. Uh, where are we? He, so he did. He's, he photographed the course that they played, the Olympic course. Uh, he's also done Hirono, Kawana's Fuji course, Narua, Koga, and Tokyo. And according to him, it's Kasuma Gaseki was probably about the fifth out of those <laughs> that I mentioned, which is just incredible. Because when you look at some of the images out of that place, we talk about the about Augusta National being manicured within an inch of its life. Well, Kasuma Gaseki is manicured within a millimeter. It it looked unbelievable. For the record, uh, that was Damien Shruti who said it was ranked about fifth. Um, I think it's clearly number one. Uh, in Japan, and I and I and I very much respect. I very much respect all the people. You of, just want to get a uh, game there, don't you? <laughs> man, do I want to get a game there? Because the 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 images of of picking grass clippings out of the pond with Paul scoops, but then the other one that uh, and shout out to um, Paul uh, Paul Sheehan, Australian, who won the Japan Open there in two thousand six, an image of cutting bunker surrounds with scissors. Precision, huh? It's just precision, and and everything about it presented that way. The greens were like, we like we rave about good greens, but these greens were this great combination of being receptive, but billiard table smooth. I mean, every close up, there was probably one putt late that I saw kind of veer a little bit that looked like it was tracking in um, of Matsuyama's, but otherwise, it, it was just unbelievable. But I am assured that is one place that I can dream all I want. I am not getting. A game there. They do do private clubs very, very well. They don't know the Japanese. They're they're so meticulous and everything. They What's do. amazing is that is that as a society and a golf as a game, it, it again gets back to this inclusive and exclusive. It is the world's most exclusive game in Japan, but driving ranges are full of people who just want to go and hit balls. So therefore, it's also an inclusive game. But they both exist perfectly, hand in hand in hand, or hand in glove, or however, what other metaphor you'd like. And that finishing hole recently renovated by Tom Fazio. How daunting would you how daunting is that lake at the front of the green? I'd be fishing my ball out of there. Without a doubt, uh, hopefully I will one day, Phil, because we are going to get on there somehow. We're going to find a way. Well, that'll be nice. I look forward to it. Maybe I could caddy for you, or maybe they shouldn't have caddies at all uh, at the Olympics. Mm. Mm. There's one to there's one to ponder. Um but anyway, look, I, I thought it was outstanding. I, I can't I'm looking forward to seeing what the the Women do as well. There was conversation about the length of the course and them hitting long irons in. 
So be it. You're competing with each other. I, I can't wait and see who wins the best and worst rest. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. What about the format of the of the um, golf at the Olympics, Philly? Are you for the current setup, or do you think it needs a bit of a shake up? Um, again, lots of discussion around should it be stroke play or match play. No, it should be stroke play, and that was evidenced by the fact you had seven people in the playoff all desperate to win a medal. From a, a, there's conversation around. So one of the things that that I loved and we both loved uh, about the Olympics was this idea of a mixed relay. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So uh, either in swimming or running, and I think there's there's just this balance where we have to understand when a mixed relay is inclusive and not woke and promotes all the the great things of the world, but also then excludes. So Yuka Sasa. The real Rory. The one who swings it better than Rory. The real Rory. She doesn't have a lot of talent around it. So if that becomes a mixed event, Yuka Sasa is almost immediately discounted from winning a medal were golf to be a mixed event at the Olympics solely. Whereas the US and Great Britain and Norway and, and all these other, even Mexico, like they're all a big chance. But The places but, with depth, yeah, get away yeah, with it. But those outliers, those outlier countries where growth is trying to grow and it just hasn't taken on yet, are the ones who are going to battle if it becomes a mixed event. So if it were to change in format, mixed has to be a part of and I think it would be really good, but mixed has to be a, an event, in my opinion, whereby we've got a, a male event, a female event, and I'm quite specific on those two, and then a mixed and a mixed event that combines the best of both worlds. Yeah, personally, I actually don't think there should be or there needs to be a team competition in the sport. I mean, golf for the most part is an individual pursuit. So why would we step away from the authenticity of the game there? Um, but I do think it needs an entertaining element to it. Uh, so for me, I'd actually go. I think it should be match play all the way for mine. I don't agree with the stroke play because I think that's far more boring for a lot a lot of countries where we're trying to grow this. Match play always always creates excitement, and I think that would be a magnificent addition. I, I see your point. Yet, let, let's say I'm the 64th ranked player, and I'm playing the number one ranked yeah. player. Likely, the 64th ranked player is going to be someone like Miguel Tabernet from the Philippines. He'll get one round, and he's gone. And in terms of growing at the Philippines, there's all these people thirsting, you know, where is he, where is he? If it's over a four-round stroke play event with with no cut, then he can still have a highlight in round two, three, and four that can make it onto the news. But he gets knocked out in round one, then this idea of grow the game vanishes and disappears. And so I think there's a real, there's a lot of balancing points there. And it's not, the Olympics is not about being fair for everyone. And I think this is the other point, though, is that it's not about being fair. And if you look at um, a lot of people who get knocked out in the first round of anything, big judo or other, like gone. But at least if we go down my, my angle, we could have repercharge in golf. And the only time you ever hear the word repercharge is every four years at the Olympics. But your boy that you just mentioned, uh, did he? How how many times was he shown on TV playing? We didn't play. That wasn't the point. Ah, so I missed that. No, my my point being though that if they're not doing well, you're not going to see much coverage of them. Oh, I think that it, look on the world, and this is the the thing we're very lucky in Australia is that we got the world feed for golf we didn't get the commercial us feed so what we did was get um tony johnson and alison whitaker more of a mix yeah great cracking commentary team um and then the other guy um and so there was a great variety of um a great variety of players that we saw across the the tournament as opposed to just following in so almost every birdie every good shot there were a couple of holes that were highlighted and i do think we got to see the majority of players at different points in time now some some of that was about like sep striker was about needing to play his ass off to get that airtime and get that screen time but he did and people got to realize that hang on there's actually there's a pretty good player out of 
Chile, this Mito Pereira, I'd never, I had to look him up, but I now know who he is, and I'm impressed with how he goes about it, and now I'm expecting him to do more. And so this is the opportunity that golf does provide. But who would play with Rory Sabatini? So this is the other point about being a mixed event. Rory would have to play with himself again. Now, Shooter, the big question, so we've, yes, we haven't watched the women play yet, but the big question, on the basis of everything that we've seen, why should or shouldn't golf be at the Olympics? Well, well, I'm firmly that golf should be at the Olympics. If if tennis, soccer or football, uh, basketball, three-on-three basketball, my God, how shite is that, break dancing, not even a sport, surfing and bouncing on a trampoline are justified Olympic sports, then why the hell should golf need to justify its inclusion? <laughs> Next. I'm angry about this question. I think it's a joke. Why does golf, why is golf being the one that's being portrayed as, oh, this one really shouldn't be at the Olympics? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Scratching your leg is at the Olympics as a sport. Uh, okay. So we're going to do tennis barons next and we'll ask the same question and my answer will be the same. Any event, and it's as simple as this for me, any event where someone opts out of playing is a clear sign that that has no place. When you look at the number of athletes who bust their ass, and I said this a few weeks ago, the players who bust their ass to get there and give up everything and sacrifice everything to get there, and it is their it is their ultimate or it is a goal and something they've dreamed of. When we've got a significant number of players who just go, no, I'm actually a bit busy, um, and it's not. A, I'm not saying it's a prize money thing, but if you can opt out, then the Olympics is not important enough for the game. And let's find a different way of doing it. So, so you're saying that the players, so if there are players who, if there are wankers who decide that they don't want to play or they're, they're all me, 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 that everyone else who wants a crack at an Olympic gold medal should be allowed, should not be allowed to play. It shouldn't be there because of a couple of bad eggs, a couple of bad apples, if I don't want a mixed um, metaphor. You do want a mixed metaphor. I think everybody who is at the Olympics and, and from even the quotes that we went through discovered that they wanted a gold medal after getting there. Not one of them, or very few of them, ever said, I'm desperate to get there and win a gold medal. They all said, I can't believe how good this is and I can't wait to get into the competition because I'm immersing myself within it. Have you got some quotes from the breakdancers, Phil, and how many of those were desperate to get there for a gold medal? Seven of them. But okay. the, oh, that, the that's, reality that's is... compelling. From, from the, <laughs> Which university, university study was that from? There was, a, <laughs> there was a university in Atlanta who did a longitudinal study on breakdancing at the Olympics. So, so that's a moot point... So if we deal with golf, not whether it's more deserved of a spot than other sports, it's do any of those sports exist? But we'll just deal with golf. I think when you've got the best players in the world who are opting out and then you look at every other sport at the Olympics where the best players in the world are itching to get in, it doesn't sit comfortably with me despite the fact that I like the exposure that it gets. And I like, as Gabby Lopez said, that it's far bigger than just than golf. Let me rephrase it to you. What harm does it do to golf having golf at the Olympics? It does no harm if it is played in the same format and spirit that the rest of the Olympics is. And there's not another game at the Olympics where you get someone next to you helping you and holding your hand along the way. So if golf were to be at the Olympics, then make it an individual pursuit or a team pursuit. Whack the bloody bag over your own shoulder Carry it yourself where you don't get at any point in time to sit down with your pole vault coach with him on the runway. Yes, you can go over the edge and consult with him, but he's not sitting on the runway going, okay, here's what we're going to do. I now get the conditions. And equestrian would be a lot lot more exciting without the horses. <laughs> you know, there is a competition in the US where they do have 
Anyway, that would be one of the funniest things you've ever seen. Yeah, I'll send you the video. But um, anyway, so that's that. Look, I really liked it, and I celebrated, and I and I particularly loved the passion that the players who got there spoke about it. I think I just really resent those who chose not to go, and I think that's probably the position that I'm coming from. But if you're going to be at the Olympics, let's make sure the best players are going to be there, and let's make it the best spectacle we can. But at some point in time, there's just got to be a way other than, and I think this has to then be Olympic qualifying events for each country, because if it's going to come down to saying, would you like to go? Nah. Oh, you can go? Nah. And Patrick Reid gets the call up and says, any time I get asked to compete for my country, I am just a yes. It's not even in question. I I think, why would we validate those um, those naysayers by saying, okay, because you guys say you don't want to go, we, therefore, golf shouldn't be at the Olympics. Now, I was was originally a a golf shouldn't be at the Olympics, but I'm also, I also was a a basketball shouldn't be at the Olympics. (laughs) And... and, um, soccer and tennis certainly shouldn't be at the olympics but now i'll watch every boomers game that there is and i quite enjoy it so we can all like rory we can all shift our positions on this film and on that note we'll bring today's denuous links golf podcast to a close be sure to sign up at golfbarons.com follow us on all of our socials on insta facebook and youtube and remember to watch us on ko and fox on demand we'll be back next week wrapping up just how the women went in their pursuit of gold Thanks again for listening, Barons, and until next time, remember to add some swagger to your swing.